Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry, built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. And right now, your local Toyota dealer has more vehicles in stock and is making delivery on new vehicles almost every day. So visit your local Toyota dealer. And check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places. Welcome back. Welcome in. This is Country Roads Confidential at earsports.com, a Paramount podcast. I am Mike Casasa here on a Monday morning here with Chris Anderson to get to some questions about the Mountaineers. And Chris... So good questions today is the the words hot seat and uh, termination have been replaced by um, extension, bowl bid. Once again, uh, as I like to punctuate these sentences, as expected. As expected. Absolutely. Yeah, some good questions in here. Uh, Yes, the tone is definitely different. We saw the, the tides changing in last week's mailbag and now they're really changing um with a lot more of a positive vibe to them on this football program let's dig right in and i want to i want to cue you up here on a question since i kind of started this but also things change quickly you know sometimes week to week sometimes month to month certainly within one season but go back one year and let's start there it's just a pretty good question in the mailbag yeah, from in Hunter seventeen says on this date last year. I think I guess when he asked the question, that might have been Sunday in the Iowa State post game pod. My Mike said Neil Brown made the hard decision easy. That has completely turned exactly one year to the day. Do you guys agree he's made the easy decision hard? I don't know how you would disagree, right? Absolutely. I mean, otherwise we wouldn't be having all these conversations about it and it changing from week to week. So yeah, yeah. I think he's made the easy decision because the easy decision for a new athletic director coming in for a coach who's, you know, has a 500 record over multiple years, the easy decision is to fire him. And now it's hard. Yeah, I would agree. And it's not just that it's the aesthetic stuff that people, people would attach to the job of the athletic director. Attendance could be better. Don't get me wrong there. Like 50,000, not heartwarming. However, the style of play is exciting. It looks like the players are really enjoying themselves. You don't have fans booing the offense or the home team, which happened not that long ago, right? So that is all checks on the positive side for Brown. So absolutely winning games, getting your team into November with 
I think reasonable conversations about getting a spot or being in the in the hunt for a spot in the Big 12 championship game, that means a lot. You're going to see the team talked about in some of those national conversations. He's going to get conversations about him as the coach of the year in the Big 12. Things like that happen the further you go into the season and the more you produce to contribute to those conversations. And he's doing all that stuff there, but also young players on offense. That's always good for the future. The offense is exciting. That's always good for the present as well as the future. There's identities and there's fewer things that people look at and just go, why don't they do this? I wish they try this. It just seems like that has kind of um, slowly come on the, the side of Neil Brown here where people agree that what's working is what maybe should have worked a while ago or what seems like in the stands would work. It's not that easy, but you just have a lot more support for him right now than you did not that long ago. Really hard to push back against that. I'm trying to find the other question to it um, that was in here because, and it was just about how the offense, it's more aesthetically pleasing. It's, you know, it's, it's aggressive. It's exciting. uh, All those kind of adjectives. And all I kept thinking about was, those comments made by Rem Baker about how there was there wasn't or and they also talked about the confidence of the team, which we all noted after the game against BYU. Rem Baker said he's not it doesn't have a number in mind, you know, number being number of wins, the number of wins, number of losses. He wasn't focused on that, but the feel of the team, what's going on. Like him saying that, and then you're seeing this confidence and the kids excited and the offense getting, you know, explosive, if you will that all seems to be positive as far as Neil Brown's future here and and what is going into Ren Baker's decision. Yeah. What's the negative? Think about that. What's the negative? What's the one thing that looms over Brown's head as the, uh Oh, and I think that Baker and and probably most athletic directors are people who analyze and evaluate spots like this. They can look at that Houston game and say, yep, that's a loss. Really? That should have been a win. And if that's the difference between five wins and six wins, would you would you bring the coach back? Uh, there's probably a different set of variables in there to consider too, because maybe things don't go so well. But if this is the this is the difference between seven or eight wins or eight or nine wins. I, I don't think that's going to be a negative for Brown at all. And I think that you could look at that and say, yeah, that one stunk. It hurt. It's kind of lukish. I don't know if you can change regimes because of that. So I think some goodwill. It kind of allows coaches abilities to. Um, to to have the benefit of the doubt put in their side, which again, he did not have in his corner before. And now you're starting to see because of the changes and the evolution, some of the maybe, maybe common sense or logic, maybe inevitabilities, who knows, but that certainly has helped him out. Let's move on to another question that involves a previous Mike story. Man. This one from the, the this one's going to be good. This one's going to, we're teeing you up here to, uh, to, to gloat a little bit. From BNB873, yes. How did people get it so wrong that this was going to be a top 10 difficult schedule? Um, <laughs> let's clarify here. People, everyone but Mike, essentially, uh, agreed that this was going to be a very difficult schedule. Mike, you wrote, you, you did, we did a podcast, you talked about it, you wrote a story about it, that, hey, actually, schedule might be kind of easy. And I think you're right think yes i think so are we arguing this no we're not i just want to because but but the question is how did how did everybody get it so wrong i mean i have i have some ideas but because realistically here let me 
before we answer that question, let me ask you one more. What's West Virginia's best win right now? Was it BYU? <laughs> if you look at I the, mean it was the most it was the most dominating win, but was what's the team the most talented or best team that West Virginia has beaten this year? I guess Texas Tech or TCU would be it. And that they played Are they both night. under five hundred? Yeah, right. I looked at that the other day and I was like, holy cow, I forgot about that. Like I just I get kind of bubbled sometimes and I think of the team when they play. I think of the team that I cover every day, and then I think of the team that they're about to play. So I don't really keep up on them too much. That kind of surprising that they're both four and five, I believe. So that's not but it kind of I don't know kind of what you thought. Their best win is waiting for them, obviously. It's it's the Saturday. However, it's a hard one to answer right now. It doesn't seem like there's an emphatic one out there. So BYU at five and four, that's better than a couple of four and five teams. Yeah. I mean those those are the three teams you're looking at if you're trying to think of what was West Virginia's best win. BYU, Texas Tech, TCU, uh, BYU five and four, but I've been on record since their start that I don't think that's a very indicative of how good they are. I think we saw how good they were on Saturday night. Um, Tech and TCU, they might be better than their four and five record, but still, you're talking about you know beating up on what turned out to be pretty easy schedule. So, um, yeah, just again, Mike, you were on it. I figured with eleven power fives, it would be more difficult, but. Those are those two teams that kind of threw me off because even the disc- I still remember the discussion we had in preseason because my argument was I didn't know if he'd make it through the first six games because it was going to be so difficult, but then things got so easy on the back half. And it was a question of what happens if, you know, you go three and three and then you load up with wins on the back half. And like, is that fair? Because that back half of the schedule is easy. It's the first half that's hard. And part of the reason I thought that might be difficult was because, uh, one, I thought Pitt might be competent. Not good, but competent. They're not. Um, I thought Texas Tech and TCU would be good. Not, you know, top 10 in the country, but fringe top 25-ish, like top 30, top 35. So I thought West Virginia was going to be facing, you know, four games that they could have lost in the first, like, five weeks, six weeks thing. And that really wasn't the case. So to answer the question, first of all, just some data here. By NCAA bookkeeping here, the winning percentage of past opposition, West Virginia ranks number 49. That's their best metric when it comes to scheduling. And it's 49. Their future opposition, winning percentage ranks 100. And their cumulative opposition, which means everybody they play, 76. So the best metric for them is who they've already played. And Chris, we can't figure out what their best win is, right? So it's a weird way to look at it. But past opposition, the teams already played, the percentage is 49. The future opposition, the teams that have to play coming up, future opposition, 100 for the winning percentage. And cumulative from team 1 to team 12, 76. That's not good. How do people miss? They looked at the names for one, for sure. Absolutely. Because Penn State, that's going to be a good team. Pitt has been good for a couple of years. Wow, two power fives in the non-conference. That's unique and extenuating. That does tip the scales for people. And then you just look at the Big 12 poll. There were 13 teams better than them in the Big 12 poll. You and I didn't have them 14th. We didn't have them second. I admit that. Uh, I look back at my my poll for 24-7. I had them 10th. So four teams I thought were below them. Guess which ones they were, Chris? Jocking. Let me guess. I was actually, uh, UCF I had higher than them. 
I had Cincinnati, uh, Iowa State, Cincinnati. We're not having it here, but I had the four BYU, Iowa State, Houston, Cincinnati were my bottom bottom four teams in there. So not all right, but certainly not as wrong as some of the other things here. But you just had to look at the schedule too. Playing the four Big Twelve teams that are new to the conference, that's a bonus for you. It's just hard, and you're getting them in the later half of the season here too. You'd much rather catch. BYU and Cincinnati and Houston in the second half of this, or uh, UCF in the second half of the schedule. Just one attrition. It's, it's one of the things that matter about being new to a Power Five conference really matter later in the schedule. And if you need late, if you need wins late, you're going to more likely to pick them up there. Um, and then just people have to look at these things too. Playing teams when you play them or who plays before them. Playing BYU after BYU plays at Texas, that's tough for BYU. And then BYU has to come to Morgantown. I didn't think that was any question that could be a game for West Virginia to win. So you really kind of roll up your sleeves sometimes and look at the schedule. I just didn't think Pitt was going to be good. I didn't think TCU was – I thought TCU was bound for a major step back this year. I wasn't buying it with the four new Big 12 teams. Oklahoma State was – and I admitted this – was a team that I could not figure out early in the season. Like in all the previous stuff, I had no idea. They had lost so much in the portal, but they might have a good coach. One of their quarterbacks may hit. They had a good running back. And the first three games, you're like, wait a minute, they're playing three quarterbacks. They're not playing their good running back. What's going on? And the coaching took over there, too. And this team is maybe maybe the surprise, but it's surprised that it took them so long. Um, that's the one that I, I couldn't figure out, but they lost to that game. So, okay, that makes sense that that might scramble your projections a little bit. But otherwise, everybody knew Texas was going to be good. Everybody knew Oklahoma had to do a whole lot to get back right what went wrong last season. I don't think people thought, I don't think people should have thought that the four new teams could be as good. Um, Kansas, Kansas State are kind of where you thought they were going to be. Maybe the surprise is Baylor, just uh, from where they were two years ago to where they are now. Um, that's a tough one. That was the number six team in the Big 12. Looks like the worst team, maybe. Point being that there was a whole lot of volatility. I don't know how you could look at all that and just simply say, okay, that's the worst team because it has the hardest schedule or that's the hardest schedule that's going to make that the worst team. It, it was never that simple. I think sometimes people make that stuff too simple. And then also don't forget, a lot of those strength of schedule things are based on like a wow factor of, oh my gosh, two power fives. And that's subjective, which people turn to like an automatic, like that must be one of the hardest schedules. They play in a power five and they're playing two power five teams in non-conference play. Wow, that's hard. All right, cool. Get it. And then you look at the record in terms of what the teams did last year. That has nothing to do with this year. There's so much turnover from one year to the next that the opposition's record in 2022, that really should not be a big variable in how you rank records, excuse me, schedules in 2023. Hey, that entire time we're talking, I went back to check because I was like, oh, yeah, I forgot we sent that in to Brandon for our Big 12 preseason thing because we made a post on our board and somebody was like, nah, you guys picked them 12th. And I was like, I definitely did not pick WV 12th out of 14 teams. Um, you're right. I, I see our, I see the big 12 or the 24 seven sports media poll also had West Virginia dead last, but you had him 10th. I had him ninth. Oh. We're again, we're none of us picked them to be, you know, competing. Neither of us. So we're not claiming uh, quote victory here, claiming that we're picking them to compete for a big 12 championship game spot here. But, uh, we both had the same mindset of, we saw this in 2012, like transitioning to the Big 12 is difficult. It is very, very difficult. You do not have the depth. You do not have the talent that you think you do until you transition to these leagues. And none of those four new teams have 
Geno Smith, Tavon Austin, Stedman Bailey, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And West Virginia did, and they struggled. So I, we, we should have seen this coming for anybody that's thinking about that. And I'll I'll give this to you too. Something that really got me thinking about this was when you look at the portal rankings, that's a big part of it now. And if teams get really good help from the portal, you have to consider that along with recruiting classes. And 24-7 has that talent roster index. West Virginia was good, was better than some of the teams that are in the Big 12. And then as you mentioned this before, Chris, this is what I was saying. The, the number of snaps lost to the portal, I think that's an influential stat. And a lot of teams lost a lot to the transfer portal. So did West Virginia, not as much. But if everybody's having the same negative, why is West Virginia's automatically bigger than everybody else's? You have to consider that stuff. as It's not equal, but you can't just say it's decisive for one team. It doesn't matter so much for the others. You go to the portal. And I thought this was an interesting question, and I'll explain why before we get to answer it. From CMM0016, he asked, does Brown look at transfer QBs in the offseason? And the reason I think this is interesting is because your and I's stance has been you always look for a QB unless you have a definitive answer coming back, a definitive starter, clear-cut, almost all-conference or better kind of starter. So really what we're asking here, or what CMM0016 is asking, has Green reached that level that WVU does not feel the need to target a transfer QB this offseason? Mike, I give you the floor. Well, how about this? You could have the same answer with two different designations here, destinations, I guess. Yeah, he's reached that level. So therefore, you wouldn't want to bring in a quarterback as competition. By him reaching that level, what does that say to Nico Marchio? That might move him out. In which case, are you going in with Sean Boyle and our boy Scott Keen? I would think that's a risk you're probably not willing to take. So therefore, you would look at the transfer portal. I think at the end of the season, just like you had a serious conversation with Jared Daigie one year, JT Daniels last year, you do the same with Nico. And you're going to have to tell him, Green's our guy. You're not going to play that much unless he gets hurt. We don't expect him to stink and change positions, but that might happen if you want to roll the dice and wait on an injury or unexpected regression. You're welcome to come back. That said, we understand if you want to get going with your career. I think you have to have a serious conversation with him about that. And he may stay, he may go. Green's got one year left, correct? So maybe Nico's the guy of the future and he just wants to hang around. He would just be a redshirt sophomore next year, right? So can he make that investment of time? He doesn't have to sit out, but is he going to move somewhere next year, be in a power five and play? I don't know. Unlikely. I don't think he has a track record right now to merit that. So you got to have a conversation with him. And I would think... Try to keep him. And if he doesn't want to go, that's natural. You shake hands. You say, this was fun. Wish it worked out better for you. Hope we don't see you in the bowl game in the future. Hope you're not in the Big 12. Something like that. And then you go get a portal guy. Your your backup is probably on the roster if you can make it work with Nico. If not, you go to the portal. So that's not a definitive yes or no. But the dynamic is, if Green is that guy, you don't think you would go get a transfer quarterback? Yet you might have to because Green being the guy might force Nico out. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. 
spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. It's a great answer It's because it's the right answer. Um, you're, you're good unless Nico leaves, and the likelihood of Nico leaving if Green is at that level is pretty high. And what has become you know, one of the best assets now? best things to target you're like hey do you do you recruit high school or do you recruit transfers do you recruit junior college the answer to your question might be the best possible solution is to recruit a transfer that is like a freshman or maybe like a true sophomore with a redshirt year or something like that because then they essentially get tied in locked into your program for at least three years Mm -hmm. because they've already used their free one-time transfer and they can't transfer again until they graduate so if you can go out and find say a redshirt freshman quarterback or a freshman or sophomore quarterback with hey green's our guy he's got one year remaining we really like you come here play the backup role we need you put you in we hope to redshirt you and then we'll get you for three years where you are the man come on in i think that's probably the more likely scenario and best case scenario because those those kind of guys, um, like tell me uh, Durajaye, they, mm-hmm. they talked about how that was great for their defensive line because he only used one year of eligibility, so he's here for multiple years, pretty much no matter what. So that can be an asset at the QB position, at least as far as transfer portal recruiting for WVU. And I'll throw a curveball here too, but it's a strike just like you just threw. What about a Noah Farrakhan, a guy who does transfer and has to sit out? That's a negative for a lot of schools in the portal because you want to get a guy who can play, most especially a quarterback, I would think. Not everybody has that luxury. So I wonder how many players across the country want to transfer but won't because they don't want to sit out. They know they have to. So you're looking at a guy who's a second-time transfer, a Noah Farrakhan. But he comes in next year and he sits out because he can't play. And guess what? He just goes to school for a year. He does a red shirt. He, he figures out the weight room, the nutrition, study hall, also football. And then he's your guy in 25 because he's got that year left. Small market, but I bet you there's players there. And I wonder if people have mined that so far yet. 
Mike, interested in the distressed assets. I like it because you're right. I mean, not a, not a lot of schools are going to go after that guy if, if that's what's available. So good thing to go after. Um, a related dish question from Wampus. He wants to know, where do you think the program would be this season if Neil Brown hadn't been so stubborn with QB and just bit the bullet and let Garrett Green take over the reins at some point in the previous two seasons? Is Neil Brown the coach? Bang, dang on it. That's okay. where I was going with that. You can bite the bullet and get in a couple extra losses and guarantee that Neil Brown's not around anymore. So yeah. I don't, I don't I think know it's, if that's the right answer. I think it's I think it's kind of folly to say that he was ready in twenty twenty one. I know I know Diggy wasn't good and there were times that he looked Green looked good and looked better, but he was such a he was such a zag and was different and was doing very limited things. Doing them well at times, especially the Oklahoma game now that we mentioned it. Can you extrapolate that for a full season or for two thirds of a season? Don't know. Could he have played more and been more developed? So maybe, maybe the rough spots uh, last year, this year are smoother. I guess I get that, but let's not act like that. People weren't throwing a parade last year and they got JT Daniels. I wrote it. A lot of people thought it. I thought it, and I didn't just write it. But that seemed like that was a big time acquisition for them. It just didn't go right. Are, are you really? Is Neil Brown last year rolling the dice? saying no to JT Daniels and maybe no to Graham Harrell and putting himself in charge of the offense with Garrett Green, who I don't think he was enamored with at that time. I find that hard to believe. So I don't know if this works out the best for everybody. If they don't, this is not the most conventional path. I'm not sure it's the wrong path. When you look at where they are now, I think it might've been kind of reckless and there might be, I mean, there might've been changes. Who knows if they had taken their lumps and played a quarterback who wasn't ready or wasn't as refined as he is right now. Ready to switch sports? Yeah, we have to soon, right? Literally hours from now, a basketball game. Yep. West Virginia men's basketball kicks off their season tonight. Missouri State, five-and-a-half-point favorites. Are Is that insulting? Realistic? What do you think about that that line for the first game of the year? It's not heartwarming either. That's that's a Mac, a Mac, a Missouri Valley team that I think was fourth or fifth in the preseason poll. It does have one all-conference player. A coach has been there for a while, has his fingerprints on the program, has some veterans. They did get a first place vote, which is kind of unusual for a team that isn't first or second or even third. A home game against a, a, a mid-major program, five and a half points, it just sounds to me like it's losable. You look at the situation and having just eight players and so much new around this, I have a hard time disagreeing with it. Maybe maybe you think it could be larger just because it's a power five against a mid-major you roll up your sleeve and you look at it. It's eight guys, and how many of them are new or proven? I, I I just can't disagree with that. All right, real quick personnel updates. I might have an answer after tonight. Might have an answer tomorrow or later this week when we get to talk with Josh Eiler. But uh, Stone Ten USN wants to know: Does Battle win his appeal? Thoughts? Gut? Gut? Oh, excuse me. He's he prefaces it with gut feeling. What's your gut feeling, Mike? No. Okay, because don't you think that this this feels like overturning a touchdown catch or an interception of football? Now you have to have inconclusive evidence, and it's not like it's not like West Virginia just discovered, and therefore we'll have new evidence to prove that Raekwon Battle is better off at West Virginia than he would be at Montana State. That was the point of the whole request for waiver before. I can't believe that the NCAA came back and said, "Actually, try this angle." And now all of a sudden West Virginia is scrambling and it's going to take new information to compliance employees who are 
sticklers sometimes and do not want to hand out these waivers because the membership of the NCAA wanted the NCAA to be stricter. So these are kind of like your gatekeepers right now that the appeal goes to. It just doesn't. My hunch says no. I could be wrong. I don't think anyone would be mad at me if I was wrong. My hunch just says no. Does a cook a cook play this year? Second part of his question. I don't feel comfortable answering this because I just don't know how this works. They haven't said anything. They haven't said like whether it was cardiac or cramps. And there's a huge gap between those two. I think we can probably lead ourselves to the right conclusion here too. But they're being very quiet about it, which makes me think that it might be serious. What I saw makes me think one thing, and I'm just not I'm just not qualified, like I said, comfortable to do it. So I don't know what the timetable is. I think it's fair to say this. There's going to be a threshold he has to clear. And medical people are going to make it very hard for him to clear that threshold, which is not a bad thing for the, I'm not insulting the medical people. They want to be 110% sure, 210% sure what they saw. That was very scary. Nobody ever wants to see again. So you have to set that bar really, really, really high. I don't know when or how, or if he can clear that, but I, I just do not know well enough. Next quick question on basketball from UDO 10. Let's say Edwards, Slazinski and some Nick all get into foul trouble. And I'm, Assuming he's uh, saying a cook, a cook is out. Who do we see first at the five position? Josiah Harris or Ali Ragab? <laughs> it's it's. I don't think Ali's anywhere close to ready based on what Josh was saying about him. So you probably gimmick it up and do something with, yeah, Josiah would be the answer to that question. And it's, it's the right answer. Yeah, I think I'm with you. You're going small ball and hoping for the best and just telling guys to crash the boards is – as best you can. Um, you want to know what's an underplay development this offseason, Chris? What? Relative to West Virginia's roster and this whole concept of what seems like inevitable foul trouble. I don't know why it's inevitable, but it seems like people keep thinking it. No John Higgins. Oh, yeah, that's right. We did a whole bit on that. We made a video of that. Not, not a specific video, but I think we answered that question on a podcast and cut it into a video of us discussing the retirement of John Higgins, right? And they don't play at Kansas, right? No. So there's two mm-hmm. two strikes against them that normally you would count. You don't have to worry about this here. Speaking of the year, the whole season, the big picture, fire everyone who I believe made his bad. username for the football really feel team. bad for this. <laughs> Given all the various offseason setbacks, what does a successful basketball season look like? Oh, boy. So let's set a bar real quick. NCAA tournament, no matter what happens with personnel, battle gets approved, not approved, the Coca Cook back, you know, in game two or not, is an NCAA tournament appearance, round one exit, just an appearance. Is that a success no matter what happens with any of the personnel? Yeah, because it means you got through the Big 12, which I think is going to be pretty difficult. And there's just 68 of them, which really they're not going to. I'd be very surprised if they won the Big 12 championship in Kansas City. So you're talking 34 teams got large bids, and they're going to be one of the 34. That's pretty good, I would think. That probably get, gets you like a 19 wins along those lines. It means you beat some good teams. And you probably had something rolling at some point. You probably got hot because I think they're going to take their lumps early in the season. So that means they're making up wins in the back end. They figured things out. and They got some rhythm, some continuity, and then just found a way to win some games. So I would say, yeah, that's that's a success for me, which that is probably not good enough in a lot of years at a place like West Virginia. But this is not a situation that befalls any places where it's so easy that you kind of look like it's an okay 
uh, taken for granted achievement to make the NCAA tournament. So to answer that part of the question, yes, that would be a success to me. Can I uh, spring a surprise question on you? Let me ask you this. Are there levels of successful? Could they, if they're not in the NCAA tournament, could you say successful season? Because again, I think they might, these nine games that Chris said, they don't have battle in a cook. If they go five and four or whatever, and they're chasing at the end, I mean, they might be below 500 at some point because the Big 12 is not easy. And all of a sudden, they're up and they're above 500. They rally at the end. They make the NIT, for example. There's, there's no way this is going to be a CBI team because of the turnover on the roster, right? But could you not make the NCAA and feel good about the season? Or is that is it kind of like a binary? Like, it's you got to be in the big one. The other ones don't count. I don't I don't know if bad, like feel bad is, is an option because I think it's more fans will just kind of look at it as a, as a lost season. Like, there won't be like anger and resentment towards alert or the players really more of just upset with how everything went the NCAA with Huggins um the administration for some and just consider it a lost season and and be like all right now it's time to turn things around quickly um so I think I think for most people it's going to be either a good season or a lost season there won't be like disappointment or something. I'm, I'm trying to think of how I want to phrase that, but I think you get what I'm trying to say here. Yeah, I got you. Well, that, but you touched on my, where I was going to go with this question. WVU gets invited to the NIT. Do they take it? Yeah, got to. Okay. Just checking. Yeah. Especially because like what this team had been through, like didn't go to Italy, just has eaten one sandwich after another here that, you eventually get tired of and and to have a reward at the end that you probably had to earn again like that would mean they got something going to get to that point if they if things go as you might expect them to go i don't know how you tell your players actually we're done this 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 loss in Kansas City was it was it for us okay i actually agree with that you might have, you might have changed my mind with your answer cuz i was thinking maybe they say no because of all the transfers one year guys turnover everything like that but you're right with no italy trip Know this, know that, and having to how'd you put it? Eat a bunch of sandwiches. What type of sandwiches are those, Mike? Uh, Nutella, <laughs> not peanut butter. Nutella. Okay. Uh, yeah, eating all those sandwiches. Like, hey, you know, let you try to get one more win. Maybe go to New York City. Yeah. Okay, I'm with you. I think you changed my. I think you changed my mind with your answer, Mike. Well, not a good thing, mm-hmm. but all right. It's a bad precedence. <laughs> Um, I think that might be it for the podcast today with these questions. Some more good ones. Again, we're going to cherry pick a couple more for three minute videos later in the week, or at least one more. And then we're going to have it in the mailbag. Obviously, we got basketball tonight. We got football interviews today. It's that time of year, Mike, where things get really wild, where the sports crossover and recruiting is coming to a head. Uh, some very, the, this week's midweek recruiting update is going to be enormous, by the way. For those that are interested in that, lots of questions about that. It's going to be enormous, so be prepared. Uh, one question before you go. Oklahoma minus 13. Typo or accurate? Mm. Let's put it this way. One, you know, Vegas always knows. Two, I don't know which way I'd vote on, or I'd bet on that. Oh. I honestly don't like I, I do think West Virginia I, I do think West Virginia's good, but I do think 
it's one of those scenarios where I could see it getting out of hand quickly. Like it, really? if if certain things happen, like okay. I, not that I think Oklahoma some world beater. I did think very highly of, of Oklahoma previously, and I'm thinking less of them and more of WVU of late. But it's just one of those matchups where I could see you know the defense having a hard time slowing them down. And it could just be, you know, one or two things. And all of a sudden it's a 15 point game. And you're like, man, God, that line right there. I don't know. So there's two things I see with Oklahoma here is that they, their two losses are their two big games of the year. Lost to, wait a minute, no, they beat, I'm sorry, they actually, never mind. They lost to uh, Kansas, right? I forget about that. So totally scratch that from the record. I was just thinking off the top of my head that they lost to Texas and they lost to Oklahoma State. You lost to rivalry games and hey, that happens. And maybe they're, deflated or maybe they're motivated but no they lost to kansas i'm looking at the schedule now and i totally forgot about that um so that doesn't make sense either so i have a hard time believing that it's like that's that's a big number for a team that's playing as well offensively against a team that's lost two in a row but that's why they had those big buildings in las vegas hey i, I don't i don't have anything to add to that because charity bets are making a comeback but all my spite bets for Dabo are Starting to hurt a little bit, so I don't have to Ooh. change things around. Are you Tyler from Spartanburg? Yeah, I might be. I might be. Hey, Not before that. I'm on a. I think it's a three week winning streak or two back to back at least. But Dabo's going to do me in for sure. Well, keeping me out means you kept the soup kitchens open. So good job on that. This year <laughs> seems like it's going better. So that is up. That's it for us. Wrapping it up, we have news conference today. Head coach, players, coordinators, basketball, Missouri State at the Coliseum, 7 p.m. will be on site with the news as it happens. Keep our eyes on the Twitter today to see if anything happens with appeals or player statuses otherwise. If something happens, you know where to find out about it. Until then, I'm Mike Casaza. And I'm Chris Anderson. We will talk to you then. New CBS Monday. Federal agents. Here's where we can see them. NCIS Hawaii is back. New criminals to catch. Armed robbery, aggravated assault, murder. And new investigations to be solved. These guys were good, but even masters make mistakes. Vanessa Lachey and featuring LL Cool J. Violent Island, you got it. Welcome to paradise. A new NCIS Hawaii Monday, 10, 9 central on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus. 